Shall we begin? Twenty-five of Super Nerd Pals. I am your host Ryan Marlowe, and I'm Chris Sampson. Woo! We are Woo! solo. Yeah. So Ryan, this has been going on for at least maybe two months. I don't know. I kind of lost track, but huh? It's been. It's either been Stan and me, Andy and me, and now it's you and me for the yeah. first time ever. So this is great. So it's uh, it's. Ryan and Chris in the morning, one one two five FM. <laughs> Since Stan and Andy are in the ghost dimension, we're just gonna go ham and go full spoiler cast on some things that came out on Netflix recently. Uh, those are our main topics of the show. Yeah. But first, Ryan, we got some crazy news. Uh, a little bit of old news, but you know what? This is our show. We can do anything, we, anything we want this this week. Oh yeah, y'all are in trouble. Y'all are in trouble. Okay, so I have... I'm very excited about this because I've known that Good Omens was in process of being filmed since I saw Neil Gaiman for Norse Mythology, like, eight, what seems like, like, ages ago. And I was super excited when he said that they were going to officially make it a TV show. And it hasn't been until recently that we have been seeing... Uh, people being auditioned, cars being auditioned, that famous Bentley. And earlier this week, we were told that it is official that David Tennant and Michael Sheen are going to be playing the angel Aziraphale as... Fuck. Is it Aziraphale? <laughs> Aziraphale? We're getting, we're getting an angel and we have motherfucking Crowley. I am super, super, super excited. I, and I, I can't even put into words how excited I am that all of these works by Neil Gaiman are finally getting a home, whether it's in TV or in movies or in, I don't know. I mean, they've already had, I mean, Neverwhere already had a place with uh, a BBC radio show. So that already kind of had a home. And then BBC turned it into an adaptation. So that already kind of has a home. But nothing deserves homes more than Good Omens and fucking American Gods. Yeah, Good good Omens is hands down one of my favorite Neil Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett works ever. Ever. And it's, I, I, I feel like... I feel like Good Omens was my first foray into Gaiman and Pratchett's work. I I, I guess I have a trouble parsing it out because um, like I fell into Sandman pretty late. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, so I think Good Omens was my first one, and somewhere in between, I think it was like Good Omens and then Coraline because of the <sighs> movie, and then it went back uh, to the to the story. And then, and then the rest of stuff, you know, like American Gods and um, the Graveyard Book. Um, I got into Neil Gaiman really late, like, like really late. I think my first introduction was The Ocean at the End of the Lane, and then the Graveyard Book. No, 
No, I lied. It was the ocean at the end of the lane, and then it was Coraline, and then it was the graveyard book. And I had seen and owned Coraline for, like, eons. So it went from that, and I just went literally everywhere. Neverwhere, American Gods, Good Omens, the whole... And the Sandman. And Norse mythology, of course. So... Of course, of course. Of course. So... We have our main people. I'm so excited. This is gonna be awesome. It's it's gonna be amazing. And I, and and the good omens. I think it's people have been trying to make it to a film like since 2002. So it's been in development hell for a very long time. And uh, like like you said, I'm very happy that they're gonna stretch it out into uh like a, a mini season. Or not a series or like a full blown series. I don't know if it's gonna be like a multiple season thing, but it's, it's gonna, gonna be, come. I don't know about that, but it's gonna be about this. This first season is gonna be at six episodes. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, this was announced in April 2016 by Gaiman with posthumous requests and and or blessings from Pratchett. He's who's writing a script uh, for a six part TV series in January 2017. It was announced that Amazon.com will will be the home of Good Omens, released on Prime Video sometime in 2018. And um, just about two weeks ago, Michael Sheen and David Tennant are, are on the cast. So this is incredible news. I, the only other adaptation we've had uh, is the BBC radio drama, which yeah. is really good. Like, holy shit. My favorite, I mean, they, they casted, uh, Peter, Sir, oh my god, Peter Sanfinowitz, uh, uh, so, uh, Shaun of the Dead, Guards of the Galaxy, incredible, incredibly talented, uh, actor, you know, that was, like, that's one of my favorite roles of his, and, and now Good Omen's gonna be on TV, and we've seen, we've seen what, what's possible with, with Gaiman's works, uh, with American Gods, and, with Pratchett, um, I've read less of Pratchett than Gaiman, which is a huge, huge cinemine. Like oh, some, same. My, I the, pr- pr- ter- my introduction to Pratchett, and I'm gonna get shit for this. I can feel it. My introduction to Pratchett was working with Neil Gaiman on Good Omens, and mm-hmm. yeah, that was my first exposure as well. Yeah, I mean, I it's there is. There is nothing that the two of them can't do together. I mean, unfortunately, we don't have Pratchett anymore. But Pratchett made Neil Gaiman promise him that they were going to do this series and that he was going to finish it, which is the only reason why we're getting it. Um, When I saw him in Norse mythology, he was like, Terry Pratchett had the nerve to die on me. And I was like, oh, Uh, my heart. (laughs) My heart. But I'm super excited for this. Super excited, and you know, um, I think Pratchett Pratchett's works has a good record of having really good adaptations as well. My best friends, they're super huge Pratchett fans. They showed me, uh, it's like this mini, like I think it's also a BBC miniseries show. Uh, it was an adaptation of uh, Going Postal, which is really, really good. Like, uh, it's an amazing adaptation. And it features like Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones, and what? it's awesome. Yeah, it's like Tywin Lannister. He plays like one of the main lords, and um, I I legitimately feel like his performance in 
and going postal is what is how he got the role for Game of Thrones because it's so. Oh, I, I, uh, he he played uh Lord Vet- Vetinari, who was like this super powerful like monarch overlord or not overlord, what this powerful figure <laughs> and like so much of Tywin Lannister like oozes. You can see like the origins of where Tywin Tywin Lannister's per- uh portrayal came from. Um, so. Anyway, long story short, I'm rambling. Good Omens is going to fuse like the successes of Gaiman and Pratchett TV to one beautiful baby into one of the most awesome works ever, and I can't wait. It's going to be a glorious child. Thank you, Neo Gaiman, and for Terry Pratchett for being so talented to bless us with Good Omens. We, we're now we're, and getting, and getting Sheen and Tenet. Oh my god, yes. So good. I'm so So excited. And we didn't have to wait for Tenet to not be the doctor anymore, as sad as I am. So we we have that. Yeah, because, you know, whenever something like that happens, there's always a a tricky demand for all of that. So I'm very excited. So Tenet is a great segue from Good Omens into what we're about to talk about, which is Defenders. Defenders! Because I have a lot of feelings about Defenders. I, I have a lot of feelings, too. Um, I don't know Some if good, good, some bad. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's let's get right into it. Okay. So, Defenders released... Uh, sometime the 18th. The 18th, yeah. So, so, I... You know, I was really hyped for Defenders. And... I was skeptical. I mean, I was hyped, but skeptical. But what were your first impressions? Like for me, I uh, I enjoyed it, but I I don't know if I was just hyping myself or I was, I was expecting too much out of it. But compared to like the single seasons of like Daredevil or Luke Cage or Jessica Jones uh, and and Iron Fist, we're just not going to talk about <laughs> Iron Fist, like the standalone. I I I felt like Defenders f- fell short. I mean, it wasn't. It didn't. It didn't completely flop like Iron Fist did. But no. I felt like it's it stumbled. Which uh, apparently, the parts. fact that you and I think that Iron Fist was a total fail is an unpopular opinion, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I think it's a personal fail. For those of you who genuinely enjoyed it, awesome. I just don't see how. Um, mm. <laughs> I, explain I, to us, please. Tweet at us. <laughs> yeah, like I, I really, I'm a just. My, I have said this before, and it, it my concerns uh, sort of carried through with Defenders. I, I think that it just everything about it between the acting and the court and the and the fight choreography just looked poor. Now, was that because of a poor casting choice? That is entirely possible, but it is apparently a very unpopular opinion that Iron Fist was was a uh, was shit. Um, which I'm open to discussion about. But that being, that being said, I had gone into Defenders expecting something that I did not get. I tried very hard not to compare it to Avengers, and I don't think I did. But I think there was nothing about Defenders that made me feel that they had come together. Sure, they came together to fight. And I'm not suggesting that they create some sort of K-pop band. But... There wasn't, I didn't feel like at the end of it that there was any like real unity with Defenders. Now, this is, this is just someone who's just like watching it for the first time, not even reading anything about it. Is there any sort of sense of unity in the comics with Defenders? Well, first of all, um, 
the defenders that we see in Netflix is not at all what we see in the comics. Well, they're, yes, they're yeah, they're completely different. Like like the, the that defenders I like the. But I feel like, but I feel like, even in that, there have been some similarities between the two, apart from just the characters. I feel like mm. there has to be something that sort of unites the two of them, however small. Um, I mean, in the Defenders, in the comic books, uh, it's it's more or less like a team up out of like convenience, and you know. It's like it's like oh we're here and we got like there's no one else to help help but us and you know it's like it's kind of like Doctor Strange is like personal uh I guess gang uh, of misfits and like uh, I I just I I I don't really get the feeling in the comics that they they're as like buddy buddy. Uh, have like a buddy buddy dynamic as the Avengers, but they still they still get the job done. Well, if that's if that's if that's really what they're like, then I feel like at least in that respect, Defenders succeeded. Um, I do think, however, because I had this conversation with a few people last night, that there are people that are going to skip the standalone shows to watch Defenders, and I think that that's a mistake. Maybe not necessarily. That's wrong. You can skip. You can skip Iron Fist. No. I, well, I don't, now I, hold on. Now hold on. Now hold on. As much as I hate Iron Fist, I don't think that I really don't think that you should skip Iron Fist before you see Defenders, and I will tell you why. I think that skipping Luke Cage and skipping Jessica Jones, you sort of you sort of get what happened in their own universes just from Defenders alone, and I think that's fine. Um, you could sort of watch those anytime, but I really, really firmly believe that you have to watch both seasons of Daredevil and you have to watch Iron Fist before going into that because this whole thing sort of surrounds their plot lines and their standalones. And, Tom and, and their I mythology. Watching, and their mythology. And Tom and I were watching Defenders and I told him he didn't have to watch Iron Fist before Defenders and he actually kind of did. There are things that you, I mean, sure, you could look it up, um, and that's fine too, but I really think that going into it without having seen it or at least read, uh, um, like the entire plot of all of the episodes is a mistake. I really do. And I, I really like, it irks me to say that because I did not enjoy Iron Fist, but I don't, I think you're going to be thoroughly confused if you don't watch those three seasons, the two of Daredevil and one of Iron Fist. I really do think you're going to be confused. Now that you mention it, like, there's a lot of, I guess, like, with the Defenders, you know, how the, the, I guess, like, the main source of conflict, it relies a lot on mythology that sets up in Daredevil and, and especially Iron Fist, cause, uh, the hand, the hand is the, the main enemy, and the, see, this is also another, this is a, a problem that, with the, with the Defender show that we could elaborate elaborate on later but i never really got the sense of what was their end game but it was definitely tied to the mythology of iron fist setting up uh, like kunlun like the mystical city and and uh, the mysticism of the hand and like you know this hidden world of like ninjas and and monks and mystic martial arts and iron fist tries to set up the basis for that and then the hand uh, and defenders they they carry on with that, saying, "Oh, 
Um, you know, this is our end game. We have to get back to Kunlun. We have to break open this magical vault. We have to have uh, the power of Black Sky from or Electra from the from the Daredevil standalones. So I do agree. Like I, there's just there's just a lot that you're not gonna understand. Like I found like Tom and I were sitting there and he kept pausing it and he's like, "Is that something that happened in Iron Fist? Like, should I have known that?" And I was like, "Shit, I really think you should have watched it." As again, as much as I hated it. Um, I think to expect the buddy-buddy dynamic from Defenders that you get from Avengers is a mistake. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to make it sound like I, I hated the whole thing. I, I did not. I think of the four, my favorite, like, separate pairings that I think just worked really well is watching Luke Cage and Iron Fist because Danny Rand, at least the way he is portrayed in this particular universe, is a child trapped in a man's body with a man's problems, coming at it from a child's perspective, understandably so. And I think that that dynamic worked really well. And I absolutely adore seeing Matt and Jessica together doing anything. I think they are fantastic. Um, I thought that that worked super, super well. I just think that the amount of time that it took for all of them to get together and to go through their individual plot points to then connect all the dots to come together as defenders, I think that even worked really well pacing-wise. Um, I don't think the episodes dragged on except for the last one. I think I think the mm. last one, for some strange reason, felt really long. It felt like it dragged on like a lot. And maybe that's because I wasn't expecting the ending we got from Defenders. Because it sort of leaves you like, well, what, what the fuck? What uh, what are we doing now? And I and I and I and I really really was un was uncomfortable with that. I'm never uncomfortable with the uh, with the mysticism side of all of this. I love Doctor Strange. I love the idea of Iron Fist. That has never and will never bother me. I just think that the way they introduced it, I think, could have been done uh, a little better. smoother and a little better. Yeah. yeah. I just I I don't think there was. I, I thought this was like a like a meta narrative reaction. Like just Netflix poking <laughs> fun at its own, at its own quote unquote failures with yes. Iron Fist, like yeah, because like I like Danny Red would say like I'm the immortal Iron Fist, and everyone would just look at each other weird. But that was like intentional. Uh, that wasn't like a meta narrative reaction to, uh, or like a tongue in cheek uh dialogue. That was legit how they they wrote the interaction, which I which I thought was pretty funny. I I think it gave us a little bit of vindication after. Iron Fist is like everyone's just looking. It's like, what is this kid doing? What, like, well, exactly. I, I mean, apart <laughs> apart from Matt, both Jessica and Luke are like, what are you smoking? Like, dragons are real. Like, I don't understand. And I think that that is a very okay. Assuming, let's assume for a second, we exist in a world where superheroes exist. Superheroes like Jessica, like Luke Cage, normal people with these extraordinary abilities. Let's just assume that we live there. Even they don't quite understand it themselves, which makes them all the more human and ordinary. And I think that this is the perfect example of what would happen if you took normal people, gave them superpowers, and then also in the same breath told them that mysticism and ninjas and dragons and a shadow world are real. That is the exact reaction you would get, not just from them, but from the rest of the world. So in that respect, Defenders is 
fucking perfect. And, and, and that way, I think it, I think having those type of interaction like grounds it a bit. It's like, oh, hey, there's dragons are real, and there's like a there's a mystical city, and everyone's like, everyone, like the other three have the exact reactions like normal people have. Like, you're crazy. I'm gonna go. <laughs> right. And they, they treat Danny the exact same way I would like to treat Danny. It's like he's the kid with the overactive imagination who you just go, okay, honey, and you pat him on the head and put him in the corner. And I, and I, and I like that they treat him that way. However, there were just things that they were setting up in Defenders where I'm like, okay, well, this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen. And lo and behold, it does. I just think that the way they have created Danny Rand in this universe makes him very predictable. And I don't like that. I don't like being able to predict what's going to happen. Not that not that uh, it's very difficult sometimes, but I I like it better when I think something's going to happen and it takes like five twists to get there. And there are five twists that I didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to put an pin to that because I'm going to address that. But uh, going back to your previous point, I really, really like the, the chemistry between uh, Matt and Jessica. Um, oh my baby! I thought that was I thought was fantastic. I I'm not quite sold yet on the foundation of the of the of the friendship between Luke and uh, Danny. And by the end of the show, it still seems like they're kind of at each other's throats. I mean, they had that kind of buddy buddy interaction while Danny's tied up, and they're just they're just laughing to themselves. So. Uh, I may I I don't know if there if that's gonna be something that explored in like second season of Luke Cage or second season of Iron Fist, but at this point in time, but or by the end of the show, I they're trying to plant the seeds of their eventual like very iconic friendship, but I I don't think I don't see the that strong foundation yet. Uh, but again, it's all it's only it's only the you know this is the first time they actually been together. And again, think about it from Luke's perspective. He is trying to to solve this, not in a mystical way. He wanted to go to the cops. He wanted to do it right. I think that it started to get there. I think if Luke puts aside the fact that he can't in that situation when it comes to dealing with people like Jessica and, and Matt and, and Danny, when something happens in the city, some if he's going to have to wrap his head around the fact that he might not necessarily be able to go to the cops because it is not the same world that he is used to. And I think well, once he wraps his head around that, it might make it easier. But it, I I think they they sort of nailed the beginning of a friendship there. I really do. Um, and I loved it. Anytime that those episodes were them split up and it was Jessica and Matt and Danny and Luke, it was, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Unpo- potentially unpopular opinion, but I thought that was perfect. <laughs> I did. I I do think one of my favorite uh, scenes from the entire season, which is Luke and Danny first facing off, and he's like, "Who the hell are you?" And like, I'm the Immortal Iron Fist, and then and then like Luke Cage is just taking the the hits like it's nothing, and I thought that was like a really a really nice uh, first encounter. What was I saying? Oh. Um, you mentioned like the the plot twists and turns. So I'm I'm saying I'm saying I genuinely like that in general. I'm not saying that they existed in Defenders. Yeah. So the, one of the biggest plot twists, quote unquote plot twists, but didn't really feel like a plot twist. Um, 
I don't know. It felt like really cheap and on ho- hollow to me. Was when Electra killed off Sigourney Weaver. Are you serious? And- that was the one point where I was like, "Oh shit!" I didn't see that coming. I I mean I I didn't see that coming, but like I I didn't think I th- I think the after effects of it or like the repercussions like just didn't make sense to me. Like for one, like Sigourney Weaver's a huge name, and and she. And and like she we we knew really early on she was gonna be one of the villains and what's revealed to us that um, she's one she's like basically the leader of the hand and she and she pulls her weight like she she's so badass that she reduced Madame Gao who we've seen pop up in a whole bunch of other standalone ones and like Madame Gao just cowers. In her presence, like yeah, and I that's like Gal was a badass bitch until I saw Defenders, and I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> like, and it, it was it was it was strange. It's like, well, Madame Gal, like like she she doesn't even touch. She like she does like a Buddhist palm from Kung Fu Fury, and not and, and knocks a like a iron door off his hinges, or she like goes toe to toe with with Daredevil, and she can take him out. I was like, Madame Gal is badass. And then all of a sudden, Weaver. Look at, but even go so far as to look at her interactions with Wilson Fisk. That was a. I mean, Kingpin's a big fucking dude. He's a scary dude. And even with Madame Gal, there there got to a point where he was just like. Okay, now wait, now hold on, I can fix this. Yeah. So... Like, <laughs> Madam Gat doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> right, right. And to see her sort of, like, put her head down and just sort of be like, okay, whatever you want. I was like, oh my god. Which I thought was also mm-hmm. really interesting. And- so the the fact that like Madame Gao is bowing down to Sigourney Reaver is like, wow, Sigourney Reaver, I I love you. This is amazing. And then I I just felt like they the show didn't utilize her her to her full potential they they gave her like like a ticking clock story where oh i'm dying and i i, I have i still have stuff to do uh and so sigourney weaver you know pushes up the timetable and basically screws the entire plan up for the for the hand and yeah well finding out you're dying might do that to you i know i know but like i feel i figure like she would have I mean, I feel like she would have a better head on her shoulders or better judgment because they've been living forever. But on the same time, like they they did run out of their resurrection mojo, whatever. It's like like it's like ground up like dragon bones or something like that. Well, yeah, um, because they used the last of it on Electra because she was so convinced that Electra was going to be the savior. Mm-hmm. Uh. But but yeah, e- even then, like like even that, I still didn't get a clear concept what's the end game and then that just multiplied after electric kills sigourney weaver it's like okay i don't i don't understand i don't uh, maybe it's just not maybe i'm not maybe i have to rewatch it a second time but i just don't get what the hand the hand's motives are i mean i know i know they want ultimate control i know they want to live forever but i i know they want to control crime everywhere i don't know what they what's what, what's their Endgame. And, you know, and the, the fact that we we had the plot twist was when we were killed off and then Electra took over. It just seemed, it just seemed like the hand was just, you know, just washed, just lost in the ocean. And they're just, I mean, I guess that's, I mean, that's Ab because 
Sigourney did fuck up everything the hand was trying to do. But she I did. Just she did. But so here's so here's the thing, is and then I think we should let's make like our final like resting points on this, and then we'll go into pulls. Um, I think that what sort of bothered me about so okay so in Defenders you keep hearing the chaste and the hand, and obviously they're at war with each other. Uh, Stick ends up. Uh, being part of the chase he recruits matt he needs matt for all of this because he has so much potential blah 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 which is again why i emphasize the fact that you should probably watch daredevil both seasons before you see this um also you get to see electra as electra before she becomes black sky also spoiler alert but you should have known that this was a spoiler cast coming into this it's it's ryan and chris um uh stick dies and i could not be happier because he's kind of a dick bag the yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, well deserved. He is well deserved. He, he, he really, drugged everybody. A... Let them get arrested. Like, come on. The I actually, I like. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I he, he was a dick bag, but I like stick. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Whatever. Chris, <laughs> whatever, man. I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. We're, we're at each other's throats today. I mean, I'm you sorry. Want to talk about unpopular opinion. <laughs> Fuck stick. Uh, I'm gonna start a campaign. Ah. Hashtag fuck stick. Um, so okay, so here's the thing: is is defenders for something that should have been about them starting to forge a friendship, which I think you sort of got uh, towards the end with half of them, with Luke Cage and Iron Fist. They're now going to bump into each other. Their worlds have now collided. They're going to see more of each other. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I think that Luke Cage does a good job of gra- of grounding Danny Rand into a man and less of a child, because that's how he- Danny sort of reacts, which is, I think, what really bothers him about that. And, and if that's what they're going for, then I think that that actor does it brilliantly. But at the same time, you sort of lost half your dynamic there, Because of how they chose to end Defenders. And I remember being very let down and disappointed by that. Because not only have you built up this entire thing, um, but that last episode really felt long and dragged out. And then it ended the way it did. And I was like, what the shit? Yeah, I have lots of feelings on the ending. So, so one, like, I don't, I don't find Daredevil's return, or Matt Murdock's return to the Daredevil mantle as like honorable uh not out of sense of duty to fight the hand or or higher calling of justice but you know he he literally well he he was like oh no electra's still alive i gotta save her yeah i got i got and then and so so uh so that's basically the entire reason why he 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 joined the defenders and then maybe he developed a sense of justice, like all oh, the hands evil or the hand, the, the, what the hands are doing is wrong. I gotta stop him. But it's, it's basically both. Uh, it's mostly Electra, and then you know after they're building up all this friendship or this camaraderie with each other, Daredevil's like, "Yo, go without me. I I could say I could save Electra," and it's like, uh, which is oh, so uh, not what this was supposed to be uh, about. Uh, I was like, Matt, what are you doing? And and then uh, so the, like the, the 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 bombs go off. They're they're trying to take down this giant sanctum in the middle of Manhattan. It's housing like a giant deposit of dragon bones, which is how the hand can re- resurrect themselves further. And and then so they set up bombs 
and then they they collapse the whole building on them, and then Electra gains her memory back, and then they like they start loving each other, and they kiss, and then the whole building falls down on them. So like they destroy that dynamic, and I'm I mean unknown to them, but unknown to us. And this was also another one of the twists, but I think we were expecting it because there's no way they there's no way like they would like cut off that that head. But surprise, Daredevil's still alive. He he wakes up at the end in some he like some church or chapel surrounded by nuns, and he's bandaged. We don't know what happened to Electra. I mean, she's getting a stand. She's getting a standalone, so obviously she's alive. Oh, oh shit! I did not know that. Okay, at least that's what I heard. I could be, I could be very wrong, guys. Hold on, Chris, keep talking. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, so they built up and they destroyed this dynamic, and it, I, I guess it kind of reminds me of Justice League, where like I guess the other members will become closer together in memory of quote unquote dead martyred Daredevil which seems sloppy to me. And the other thing I didn't like about the ending is everything was wrapped up too cleanly, like, with a bow. Um, so, like, besides, like, never mind the fact that, like, they were suspects, but they broke out of prison, they they broke into evidence room, they blew up a building, even though, I mean, no one, no one really, no one, no one innocent, there was no bystanders who died, but... They seem to get away scot free. It's like, did you like? How did you not avoid any repercussions from the police? Because, because, like they, because they sort of swept it under the rug in the sense that it's like, look, we get it. Some weird shit went. Some weird, excuse me, some weird mysticism shit that we don't understand went down. And instead of trying to understand it, because it sounds like you're all on crack, we're just gonna pretend like we never saw you. And that's it. I understand that from like uh what's her what's her name uh Misty Misty Knight but like that police chief was having none of that business. He's like I don't care the law is the law. I want to bring you in, and I figure like with him he would pull his rank and put everyone in jail again or put you know I don't know. I it just it just wrapped up to me. It seemed to wrap up too neatly. It made it made for uh an overall sloppy series and a sloppy ending. So now we're going to get into some D- DCEU news. Because I feel like you and I can keep going on about Defenders, and there's more. Yeah. Oh, well, before we do that, just give me your rating. <sighs> well, it was better than Iron Fist. Yeah. <laughs> that That's it. It was better than Iron Fist. It was that's better than Iron Fist. That's all I got. Uh- I enjoy- I enjoyed it. It was entertaining, uh, but it was better than Iron Fist, and that's where uh, that's where I stand. Okay, uh, I'll give it like two and three quarter defenders out of five defenders. Oh no! Okay, uh, okay, okay. I don't know. I think I I wanted to give it a three, but I think three is too high. I don't know. It like, is. If it, please, <laughs> if, if you're angry at me, please at me at Kyo Ninja for Hire. We can talk. Yeah, like. I, I would love for y'all to start shitting on me, so tweet at me, the underscore red underscore horror, and let me know. Like, I don't care if it's an unpopular opinion. Let's dish the shit out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, one last thing. I swear, last, Chris, one last thing. No, 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 no. One last thing. Dad, I'm no, sorry. I just want to say it. 
what happened? What happened to the choreography? Because there's a one fight scene. No, we can't talk about this because then we'll just keep going. No, fine. No. Okay. At Chris, what happened? I don't to like the choreography of the final fight scene. That's what, that's what it. Okay, good. We good. <laughs> DCEU. Let's go into the DCEU. <laughs> okay, so earlier this week we heard that there's going to be a standalone Joker origin movie directed by none other than Martin Scorsese, which means it's going to be dark and arty, which is fine. However. Who is the Joker going to be in this origin series? We don't fucking know because it's not going to be Jared Leto. It's not Jared it's Leto. Not Jared Leto. So now we're going to have yet another Joker. And I don't know how I feel about having another actor take up the mantle on this iconic character. I really don't. Mm. I'm tired. I'm very tired. Are you? Are you? I mean. I'm tired, Chris. I don't, I don't understand this. I mean, great. Okay. Okay. Well, l- let's be honest. The DCU. It's basically Batman I and his mean, friends. Are we it's just, not the it's not the Justice League. No, it's, it's Batman, Batman and, and his friends. It's Batman and friends. So are we just gonna keep going through actors until we are happy with one that's playing the Joker that's not Heath Ledger? Like I don't understand. Because now you have to do this all over again. And it's an origin movie. And that is origin movies are very important i feel like to a lot of people in terms of whether it's dc or marvel those origin movies are super important to people i think and they take a lot of like they get they could get very defensive of it last night i was having a conversation with people about civil war and winter soldier and how well this in winter soldier this fight was unnecessary and this was unnecessary and i was like time out that entire movie was very necessary so i just think that there are I think that people get very uh, defensive of, of origin stories. So to have one for the Joker, I think, is a huge, huge undertaking. But now you have to go ahead and find another actor to play the Joker? I'm tired. All right, well, the, I, I like the idea that the I Joker, do too, but the I'm Joker doesn't have an origin. Well, yeah. Or if he does have an origin... It's a, he's an unreliable narrator. You can't trust his origins. You can provide him with one explanation, but there's just as many other viable explanations. Um, in terms of comics continuity, you know, most people consider The Killing Joke as the definitive origin story of the Joker. But the Joker is also also like, well, if I could prefer, he, he, he says in the book, if I could choose my past, I, I choose multiple choice. So you can't trust the Joker. I mean, you could. I mean, and we've we've seen the Killing Joke, you know, in other iterations. Um, you know, like we we had the you know, the animated movie come out like uh, last year. If they're trying to make a Killing Joke live action movie, I mean, it's it's been done before, and I I I don't know what I don't know what I, I, and the the Killing Joke is a pretty short book. So I don't think it can be. I don't think. I don't think it's gonna have enough material to be a full length movie. And I mean, they with the animated movie, they tried adding extra content. You could do that, but they also added the wrong type of content with like inserting a very weird forced love story between Barbara and Bruce, and it was just so awkward. And I, I to me, the Joker doesn't need an origin story. I think it it adds to his mystique. It adds to, it just adds to Joker and his character as a chaotic force. You don't need, he doesn't need an origin. He, he's just there. He just, the Joker is this Joker. The Joker is going to do what he wants. I don't know. I don't, I really don't think this movie is necessary. 
Um, and like I love uh, I, Martin, Martin Scorsese. He's great. Todd Phillips from The Hangover and Scott Silver are writing it together. Oh no! I'm, and and Phillips is directing the movie, uh, and Scorsese is producing it. And I think the movie would be good, but I don't think it's necessary. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just rambling at this moment. I don't. I don't think we need a movie or so, Joker Origins movie. I'll agree with you in the sense that um, I think that having films or TV shows in general with unreliable narrators is a absolutely fantastic um, device. I thoroughly enjoy movies like that, and I think that there is something fantastic to be said for them, and I think that it it just creates a whole new level when you're watching things. That being said, creating an origin story around someone who is completely and 150% thoroughly unreliable, I think is tricky and difficult, because... You're going to go through every instance where um, the Joker has mentioned something about where he came from, whether it's in an animated series, comics, the killing joke, the wherever you can get it from. And you're going to put all that out on a table and and sort of cherry pick what you want to do for an origin story. I feel like either way, this movie or TV series is going to piss people off. It's going to make people mad. I'm tired of recasting the Joker. I, I just, I just, I don't know if it's because I hold such a high standard for Heath Ledger. I'm just, I'm tired of it. And I do think it would be a huge mistake to make an or a Joker origin movie. I really do. I mean, me, I mean, it's, sim- it's similar. I feel like it's similar to the oversaturation of Batman. Like, tr- like this is coming from a hardcore Batman fan. Like, I, I love Batman, but... You know, Batman. Batman's already taken over all of like the the DC EU movies. Right. Uh, it's it's like Wolverine being the flagship man for all the X Men <laughs> movies. All the all the X Men movies are about Wolverine, and th- that's what that's what it comes down to. And I, I guess from like the inverse villain side, you have the Joker. I mean, like he is like Batman's number one arch, uh, number one arch enemy. And I think what right, but I, I, is that worth it? To create an origin story for Joker, and it's not. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is a standalone anthology movie. I don't think it's tied to the DCEU canon. I think it's just Scorsese and Warner Brothers and Phillips. Just oh, let's just make a standalone movie that's not tied to. Then I honestly don't see a point. If it's not tied to it, I honestly don't see a point. Yeah, because like um, what what we hear, there's a lot of chatter saying that. They're intending to make a gritty and grounded, hard-boiled crime noir film set in the early '80s of Gotham City. What? So it's like, uh, okay. So is it gonna be like a callback to Jack Napier? Like Tim Burton Joker, did the, that. I know exactly, but is it gonna be like guys? Tim Burton did that. Even um even um Mask of the Phantasm like one of the the, the first BTAS animated full length film um they had their own spin on the Joker origins which is also still unreliable but trusted but like what what's implied is uh in in that movie uh the Joker was a former um mafia underling or hitman. And he was like involved. very over ambitious, like wanted to climb up the ranks so bad. 
Yeah, so he he like it, so he he was involved with the mob and the mafia, and he 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 basically inadvertently or indirectly destroyed Bruce's life and destroyed Andrea Boma's life, and you know, and in his own indirect way, similar to like the Tim Burton movies, like the Joker as like a mafia guy influenced the creation of Batman. So I don't know if they're gonna do that. I don't know. It, it, I mean, it sounds like a, a really pulpy gangster movie. So maybe like maybe the Joker is a gangster who turns into a freak, or maybe, maybe yeah. But again, he... that's that's then essentially redoing Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah, that's what that is. And I'm sorry, there is something about listening to Jack Nicholson say, "Do you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight?" while getting ready to shoot Michael Keaton that I just can't get out of my head, even as you're talking. So I think it's. It's fucking redundant if that's what they're going to do. Sorry, Tim Burton did it already. Granted, it was in the 80s, or at least the very end of the 80s, but it's been done, man. Like, What, what I'm getting is maybe this is just like Taxi Driver, but set in Gotham, Gotham City, that's starring Joker. That's a terrible Joker. idea! That is a god-awful <laughs> idea! I mean, why else would they hire Scorsese, right? <laughs> Oh my god, it's going to be The Departed with the Joker. Are we going to Boston, Scorsese? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I can't do oh, that. Oh, wait. That's going to that's going to happen. It's going to ha- there's going to be a young James Gordon and maybe a young Harvey Bullock and then they're going to be like double agents. A young and Jack gonna... Napier going, "Are you a cop?" Like, "No, yeah. we're not we're not doing this again." No. No. Oh, no. You know what? Okay. You know what? It's going to be The Departed in Gotham City where like a, a Joker he, the Joker, he, he's like a, I don't know, maybe he's like a rising crime boss, and there's double agents, and there's like, and then there's, there's twists, and there's another twist, and Leonardo DiCaprio just shows up. No, and- <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio shows up as Batman? No thanks. No. Uh, oh, man. Okay. I can't. I am, no. No, 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 no. All right. So moving on from that. Yeah. Moving on from that, Suicide Squad 2 is being fast-tracked. I don't know why. So. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Maybe because Jared Leto got fired. I don't know. Or, or maybe be. they just want to appease. Like, wait, 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 Jared, Jared Leto, don't leave. Don't leave. We're so- One, we're sorry. You and your man you bun s- can stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're sorry you had so little... So little screen time in the first movie you're gonna get double the screen time in Suicide Squad 2 well did you so, did st- you hear that after they announced that they were doing a Joker standalone Jared Leto's like no I'm still here I'm still in the running and then they yeah, were like Suicide I Squad still have 2 a job. <laughs> I was like oh shit alright well there we go it's happening I don't know how I feel about that I think Suicide Squad was enough unless we get to see some Harley Deadshot action then I don't want it <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want well, it. I'm sorry to disappoint you, Ryan, because after Suicide Squad 2, they want to immediately, Warner Bros. wants to immediately release the Harley Quinn spinoff movie, and I'm reading... Wait a the, minute, wait a minute, we're getting a Harley Quinn, like, origin standoff, standalone? Uh, I don't... So this was, re- this was reported by The Hollywood Reporter about Margot Ro- Ro- Robbie and Jared Leto having... Their own Harley Quinn spinoff movie. Oh, Lord. Although, I will say this. I think she was the best part about him. Margot Robbie was awesome as Harley Quinn. She really sold the movie. or She really carried the movie. And then Will Smith really carried the movie. Jared Leto just can't 
she, she could just go away, please. With this Harley Quinn spinoff movie, I don't think it's a Origins movie. It's being directed by Glenn Fricara and John Riqua, best known for the NBC series This Is Us and the 2011 movie Crazy Stupid Love. Oh my god! And he's doing... Oh, no. Yeah, so It's going to be all weird and romantic, isn't it? Oh, oh. Jesse, wait. So, according to this Hollywood oh, Reporter gross. article, they said, quote, oh, the shit. spinoff will be an insane and twisted love story. Nope. When Harry met Sally Next. on Bezantrine. Next. I don't know what that means. I, what does that phrase mean? Next. And also, you should not glorify Harley and Joker's relationship. You know that's why I always roll my eyes whenever the when you on social media it's like when people you know more or less say I wish I had a relationship like Joker and Harley. No, or it's I, I want the Harley to my Joker no. or the Joker to my Harley. It's like no, it's abusive. It's stupid. You know that's why in the comics Harley got out. And she's happier, and she had a relationship with Poison Ivy, and she had a relationship know, so with other excited. people. I mean, here's so here's the thing: is it that is a that is classic example of a toxic relationship. Um, it's abusive, both emotionally, physically, and sexually. And I just, I, it, it is not something to be glorified. Um, when people are like, "I want a relationship like Joker and Harley," I'm sorry, you're. You're asking for the wrong thing. If anything, you want a very self you want to be like very self-aware like Harley, but if anything, you want a relationship like Poison Ivy and Harley because they get it. It's a mistake. It is it is a huge mistake. It is a mistake. And like the only thing the only thing which I could forgive a like a spin-off movie is if they do a live action adaptation of Mad Love, which is the Paul Dini, the amazing Paul Dini story telling the origins of BTS Harley Quinn because that's where she came from, and it gave her a lot of death. Um, before Harley Quinn was just like like a just a, a rando rando sidekick that showed up in the early episodes, but with Mad Love, it gave her a deep backstory and established a lot of the 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 canon continuity and history that we know of Harley Quinn today. Like she she was a psychiatrist, she worked in Arkham Asylum. And, you know, how she fell in love and how the Joker manipulated her, because he's the Joker, into becoming his psychic. And how she literally went crazy for the Joker. Yeah. And she's well aware of her abusive relationship, but, like, you know, emulating real-life relationships, sometimes it's very hard to escape those type of relationships. But with, with Suicide Squad, they... They cut they out the abusive parts because it didn't have it didn't show the the end game of the two of them being together, which is what they wanted. So they cut out all the abusive parts, which is not true to their actual relationship. They should have kept something of that in there because he's very hot and cold with her. It's very I'm going to fucking kill you, but I love you. That is that is the that is the very core of an abusive relationship. It's, I'm going to smack the shit out of you. Look what you made me do. You do realize I did this because I love you. And that is their dynamic to a T. And also, tie on to that, this is closer, or Suicide Squad's Harley is closer to the, DC, the new 52 Harley, where she herself got pushed into a vat of chemicals and now her skin is bleached and stuff. And, and, and those two ways, like, the it's like 
they're trying to erase or like sl- just slightly sweep under the the rug like all this pretext or con- or or all this pretext of abuse that should that is like a pretty freaking big part of her of their character their relationship and that's why Harley leaves which is good which is great I think that's what should happen I feel like like you said before Harley and Deadshot should be a thing I think that's awesome I mean and- she even when after so after she left the Joker she and was with Deadshot she did some fucked up shit but it's sort of part and parcel with already having a fractured mind from going insane to having a fractured mind and being in an abusive relationship. Going back to how you described the what the movie is going to be, I think you said Harry met Sally on Benzedrine. I literally do not know what that means. I, I'm I going really to tell you what that don't. means. Um, I'm going to just read just a mini paragraph about Benzedrine just in case. Somebody else doesn't know what benzodrine is. Um, the drug was initially used for medical purposes as a decongestant. Um, early users of benz- of the benzodrine inhaler, which is how it started, discovered it had a euphoric stimulant effect, resulting in it being one of the earliest synthetic stimulants to be widely used for recreational purposes. Even though this drug was intended for inhalation, some people use benzodrine recreationally by cracking the container open and swallowing swallowing the paper strip inside, which was covered in benzodrine. The strips were often rolled into small balls and swallowed or taken with coffee or alcohol. Because of the stimulant side effects, physicians discovered amphetamine could the amphetamine could also be used to treat narcolepsy. This led to the production of benzodrine in tablet form, which was also used by doctors to perk up lethargic patience so that's what that movie is gonna be like see <laughs> when harry met sally it's, it's like a pretty vanilla love story it's it's very cute it's it's a man and a woman who are really close friends and they realize they have feelings for each other and they try to play it down but they they end up together in the end and that's Which is not kind of joke. hard to discern in a psych ward you're not gonna be friends you have a doctor-patient relationship. That's not friendly. Mm-hmm. It's it's the Joker weaving a fake sob story and Harley falling in love with him and becoming infatuated in him and, you know, and clearly not being prepared for... or knowing, like, Joker's true, true manipulative intentions or, you know, not knowing fully the extent of how the Joker can get, can get into your head. Which upsets just- me because Harley is really fucking smart. And there's a deleted scene in Suicide Squad where she starts psychoanalyzing all the other members of the of the squad. So how do you and she can turn that on herself, but it it contradicts everything. So I I don't know how they're going to pull this off. Again, I think that's one of those things where they maybe just shouldn't. There's various degrees to define success. I think Suicide Squad polarized a lot of people, but I think it did really well at the box office. So Motherbird's like, well. We're still a business. Let's make some more movies. Let's make some more monies. And maybe that's me being too cynical, but... No, you know, I don't think that's it's cynical. Ho- I it's, think it's, it's accurate. Still, it's still a business. They go, You go where the money is, and that I understand. But it's just... It seems incorrect to do that. Yeah. What I'm getting from all this is just more Batman. More Batman. You know what? I, I love Batman. We're getting a Batman standalone movie. We're getting like... Like, a, a, uh, we're getting a Batgirl movie, we're getting a Nightwing movie, a Birds of Prey movie. 
I love Batman, but can we get several Wonder Woman? Can we get like a Green Lantern? Can we get? We already had a Green Lantern movie, remember? A good one, a good Green Lantern. Okay, see now movie. you have to see. I'm, you have to be specific. <laughs> okay, this is true. But yeah, just, you know what? Just give me, just give me more Wonder Woman movies. We're getting a Wonder Woman two. <laughs> I know, but I want a three already. I, I two is not out. I want a three. Like let's let's keep it up with the Wonder Woman. Yes. Okay. Okay. I so, think we talked. I think we talked about DCEU enough. Uh, okay. Unless you have anything else to say. No, uh, I do have something to say about our last little bit that we're gonna close this out with, which is our very hopefully in depth, but maybe not, depending on how you felt about it. Discussion about Netflix's Death Note. Oh. Yeah, so Ryan, I I was on Facebook and I saw you you post a status and you you were you were saying like what the hell did I de- just watch? Yeah, and that's pretty accurate. I, that's pretty fucking I, accurate. What the fuck did I just watch last night? You know, you know, I literally after I finished watching this on Saturday Saturday afternoon, like my mind went, my mind broke, like it went blank, like I. It was like it was shell shock. I did not know how to react, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't like you see. There's two types. Of, there's two different goals. You know, when I first saw Fury Road, like, like I was, I had the You're same experience. You're about to make a reference. I don't understand. <laughs> no, well, well, but I'm just saying when I went to Fury Road, uh, when I first saw, I actually saw Fury Road at an early screening, so I saw it like a week before it came out. Uh, it was like it hadn't sunk in yet, and then later. It was like, oh my god, that movie's great. And then, but with Death Note, like, I don't know what happened, but my brain shut down. And then I started thinking about it. It's like, you know what? Okay. I know I tried to divorce myself from comparing too much to the source material. Cause, you know, we've had many, many adaptations. And this is like the first American one. And I don't want to constantly nitpick. But then the more I thought about it, and the more that I tried figuring, tried looking at the movie from its own inner logic, or its movie logic, it, nothing made sense. And it just got me angrier, and more just so depressed. It's like, uh Okay, so, uh, as far as movie logic goes for this, it had none. Um, from taking Japanese source material and turning it uh, into an American-based movie, I, I got what they did. Uh, I understood it. It was not successful. But I got upset because it, it felt like everything was rushed. They sped everything up too fast. And last I checked, Mia was not supposed to be the sociopath between the two of them. It was supposed to be light. And that... See, that yeah, that, I totally agree. I totally agree. Like, it, it tried to do too many things... It tried to do too many things at once. I feel like if they had, I think if they had tried to create this into a miniseries, it might have been slightly more successful. Yeah. But, but the movie was only like 130 minutes long. And L was insane. L's mm-hmm. not supposed to be that crazy. L was batshit. Yeah. So, I mean, L is always Quirky, quirky, uh, and, and weird. I mean, not I get batshit. You could, I guess, you could argue like classic L maybe had like Asperger syndrome or something like that, but he okay. was still very much in control. He over his emotions. Uh, he didn't let his emotions like rule him until the uh, end. 
Until the end. Well, I mean, like, classic, uh, classic L, like, he had a good head on his shoulders for most, if not, like, n- like 90, 90% of the time. This L just went, went from, like, 0 to 100, and... This L had a lot of screws loose. Yeah. Yeah, he was already unhinged to begin with. It just culminated with an L, do like, going on, like, a James Bond, Jason Bourne-esque car chase scene. Which is... With, with, Terrible. With light, yeah, with light on the foot, and then, and like the end of the movie is literally L crying in tears, struggling whether or not to use the Death Note to kill Light at the yeah. end. It's like that, that, just that's a, that's just not a, not a message you want to receive from that, and not even comparatively speaking, it's just like, so, so here's the thing. As far as casting goes, I have zero issues. Like, actually zero issues with the casting issues. Even, even Willem Dafoe. I had zero, I had zero issues with all of that. Uh, No problem. But, it just, there was too, there's so much to work with with Death Note. And, I'm not saying it shouldn't have been made into a movie. There's a way to do it. Um, they had a Japanese live action movie, which I love. They, was, they actually had, like, five Japanese live action. There's a lot of Japanese live action death movies, if you want to look And they were very successful, and they did it really, really well. They also so, did it, like, very one-to-one, almost one-to-one to the to the manga and the anime. Like, yes. super, super faithful. Which is, if yes. that's something that you want, you should search those movies. I know that Adam Wingard, he wanted, he wanted to... Adam Wingard, like, let me down. He, like, let me down. That's the thing, like, Adam Wingard, he's, he's building himself, like, a reputation and a pedigree for, like, horror. See, there's a thin line between, like, horror and, like, psychological thriller. This is, this also plays into the, the fact that, one, there's too much material to cover in, like, a, like, a 120 minute movie. And it, the, the movie tried to be many movies at once. So, it tried to be, like, a cat and mouse detective movie. It tried to be, like a final destination movie which i that really bothered me like it this movie went really really happy go lucky over the gore i mean don't get me wrong i am all for like some good gore if it's not unnecessary it's unnecessary gore that i have a problem with and i think if you're doing a a, a dark american gritty remake or uh, of of this, then fine. But I <sighs> the 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 final destination style Rue Goldberg like oh a bunch of apples falls over and it it trips up a lady and then it I love makes final a la- destination <laughs> like like I I like final destination too but like uh, and I love uh, uh, but I don't think that final destination movie tone worked with death note no it absolutely I, does not it did not like there was only one time one time in the movie that a heart attack someone actually died of a heart attack and it's like no that's uh i mean and it's and it, it, it to me to me it, it seemed like it was veering to like saw torture porn like how disgusting can we make this it's like no that's no you should be talking ah, you should be so talking about like i have no problem that that mia was a cheerleader and not like a famous pop star or whatever i have no, or a model or whatever she was i have no problem with that um i think that there is something 
to be that that got taken away because anyone who has read seen any of that and first of all i will i will preface what i'm about to say with the fact that as soon as i was done watching death note the first thing i did was start the anime up on netflix because i needed to like cleanse my palate if you've ever read it or seen it you know that another shinigami comes down and becomes mia's shinigami so there's yeah, two Ren. And I think that that adds a whole other level, like this sweet little thing who's actually psychotic. And Mia went from cute to psychotic. The progression in this in this remake was perfect. Um, I think that worked really well. However, it was only Ryuk. And he was like, well, I like her. Maybe I should have given it to her and not you. No, there was a reason why she got her own Shinigami. There was a reason why things unfolded the way they did. And I think that they're... they're by doing it the way he did it, Adam Wingard really missed out on a lot of different opportunities. Like a lot. Like a lot. I mean, that's the that's the thing about condensing. It was too condensed, which resulted in everything being far too fast-tracked for its own good. It was just, it was, it, it was bad. It was a mess. Defenders looked neater compared to this. Yes, yes. And personally, like what you mentioned, like, Mia becoming a sociopath. I actually liked that uh, because I feel like with Misa, she was a pretty flat character in that, you know, she she was immature and... Um, Light was... In, in the anime, Light's the psycho. Light's like, no, I don't want to... I don't want to have anything to do with you. I just want to kill people. And this, Mia was the fucking psycho. But if yeah, that's going to be the case, then you need to leave room for her to get her own Shinigami in the end. Yeah, and I, I feel like I feel like Mia has more agency and like a bigger role to play. I mean, not I'm not trying to downplay Misa's role; like she's very important in the story. But like she's just she she doesn't have like her own will per se. She's basically a tool and a and, and a weapon for light, and and that's it. And like I mean, she's happy to be that tool, but she doesn't have her own will or own decisions. It's always subservient or always in support of of light. And right. in this one, Mia, I felt like it was really rushed and re- like it happened like it like so literally like at, like the first minute the the death note falls down, light picks it up, sh- starts using it. Twenty minutes later, he sh- he's trying to use the death note to impress his crush Mia, and then they fall in love, and and then becomes a twisted teen romance story and it's like i did not like that at all I, this, this is like but that is why but honestly, is this like honestly, why is this a high school romance that is what i expected it, it is wholeheartedly what i expected um i think that that's where you go when you do something like an american remake uh and i understood that instead of your manic pixie dream girl you have we are obsessed with death they get turned on by watching people die. And that's that, you know what? If you're going to do something as an American remake like this, that's exactly how you do that. Um, it just it jumps from A to Z. And I don't, I mean, again, the, but it didn't the add anything to it. Like, yeah. so, so we, so as Americans, we remade Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And there are things that we did that the Swedish movie didn't, and vice versa. But I think that we brought something else. And we brought something different when we remade that movie. And I think that that is important when you're doing uh, an American remake of something foreign, just in general. Um, With this, we didn't add anything. In fact, I think we took more away. 
Uh, and I think that that really hurts a franchise like Death Note. That's I think with with yeah. there was nothing I to mean, be gained by doing this. That's that's what it is. For Adam Wingard, he wanted to breathe new life. Well, I mean, breathe had like a fresh a facelift for the series, and I don't necessarily think it needed one. But he also wanted to tell the story in a new context, and he. He believed that there's something universal in the message that can of what be that can be that can be transported regardless of like geographic or cultural location. Which uh, again, we the, the big elephant in the room is whitewashing, and to me, whitewashing is one of the lesser sins of the movie. I mean, I mean, yes, L's played by movie, a black guy. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes. There's diversity. I think with the right casting. Light as a as a a, a Caucasian could have worked with Nat with Nat Wolf. It did not work, and really? how he was characterized, it it did not work for me. I mean, again, I think it'd have been pretty cool if an Asian American could have been light, but you know that that they they didn't. So well, I mean, that's just another chalk up in like the long list of whitewashing things, and that's something else that we that's too big to unpack at the moment, but. It's just like another salt in the wound between like Ghost in the Shell or that recent Hellboy news where Francis from Deadpool has casted has been cast as a Japanese American character, uh, or Aloha or H one and Doctor Strange and Adam Wingard. I call I'm calling bullshit on this. He said like it was during like the he he said like he didn't realize that his casting should be part of the whitewashing conversation until Ghost in the Shell came out. And it's like, well, this has been going on for a really long time in Hollywood. I, I don't think you can feign ignorance or, or you could say like, oh, I, we didn't realize until Ghost in the Shell was in production. What? That no, this, this is a that's con- bullshit. Yeah, no, that's, that's, this has been going on for a very long time. And I think, I think that's the cop-out answer. But th- that is It aside. absolutely is a I, fucking cop-out. But, in terms of character, Nat Wolf was wasn't okay. If they're gonna cut, cast a Caucasian uh, actor, I didn't understand what made Nat Wolf stand out as the the guy for Light, which is arguably one of the biggest anime and manga properties in the last like you know fifteen years, and people really really love Death Note, and he was just uncharismatic. His characterization is so awkward. Instead of, like, again, I'm, this is straying too far. Maybe this is straying too much into nitpicking. But Light, 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 Light Yagami, he turned from a charismatic, popular, highly intelligent and cunning, but ultimately very psychotic and very sociopathic individual into a bratty, delinquent, not really smart or or careful, like he's he's like this is the most careless light I have ever seen in my life. He's he's not that smart. He doesn't have like a hard moral stance or moral code. Adam Wingard tried to make the antihero or the villain of the story into someone that we should be sympathizing with. I mean, the reason why we were cheering on for Lightman Yagami is because he's so freaking charismatic and he's so good at what he does that we can't help but be like pulled into the story like how is light gonna get out of this and he and he pulls like he pulls like a 10th dimensional ch- chess move he pulls something out of his ass from his pure will and intellect we can't help be like 
Light Yagami, you bastard, you did it. I I hate you. I don't agree with your methods, but holy shit, that was epic. But like you have Light Turner over here who doesn't have the stomach for it, and you know, it's like Lady Macbeth. He has to get urged on by Mia to to go ahead further and further down this path of darkness. But I never got the fact that he was a genius. I never got the fact that he was cunning. I never got the fact that... They only touched on his genius, like, ever so briefly. And that was because they found, like, 15 tests in his backpack. He was doing homework for other students. Yeah. Because apparently only a genius can do that. <laughs> yeah. And, it, like, it, it's... And it, he he's basically, like, a really angsty emo edgelord. Like, he's a, he's but a tryhard. But that he's is like, exactly what happens when you do a bastardization... Of an American remake of something like this. That's that's how that's how we translate that. You take a genius Japanese student who is charismatic, albeit very sociopathic in that sense, because he's so charismatic while he's doing all of this. And this is his equivalent in America. Is an emo uh yeah, it's, it's not good. It's, it's not so good, mediocre. Yes. It's so inadequate. Yes. I, Adam Wingard, I think Chris is challenging you to remake that, to give him the resources to remake this. I don't get angry on this show, but I'm getting very angry because I love Death Note so much. I This means so much to me. And, like, it's just... I like, want to bring like, this conversation uh, back when we have Andy uh, and Stan <laughs> here because I need to... I think we need to dish this out with them. It's... Uh, it's oh my because God. Because I feel like um, there is more to this conversation to be had... It really is. Oh my god! Like, like, like Turner. Because you clearly have feelings. I have so fine. many feelings. I know. So many that's feelings. Fine. That's. I uh, like. I'm getting so worked up. I'm losing track of thoughts. There was something I really wanted to say. I don't remember. Jeez. Oh, oh the yeah. Long and short of it is, we're both very let down and disappointed. Very. Yes. There is. I mean, that's just Light Turner. That's just Light Light Turner. I have problems with. It's, well, uh... I mean, I yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think again, there's. Uh, there's more conversation to be had with all of this. I I'm willing to put a pin in it and and resurrect it for the next episode just to see what their feelings about it are because I think that there is definitely more to be said not just from you mm. but I'm curious to see what they thought. Yeah. So like part 2. <laughs> you know, part I'm two. not kidding. Let's do a part 2 with this because I think I think that there is I think there's more that that needs to be said. I really do. You know, you know what? I I, I legit spent like 3 to 4 hours like writing down notes and like reading up articles and like it just got me angrier, but like the the saltiness feels great radio content. So okay. we should talk more. Yeah. So I and- think what we're going to Okay. Okay. <laughs> so clearly there is more to be had. With all of this, and I think that we're gonna put, we're gonna stick a wee pin in it for right now because I feel like as soon as you remove that, the floodgates are gonna open back up, and I think that that's that's something we need to go into. Yeah, but just to cap it off, rating or rating in progress for me, just so disappointed. One one out of five death notes. I feel like uh, I don't know, maybe a half. I don't know. Let's put it at one. Just, I'll put it at one. I'll put it at I'm one. I'm so hurt. I'm so betrayed. <laughs> and I understand why. I get it, girl. I'm calling you girl. I get it. Yeah, I know. I know. But, uh, well, I mean, I, I, also, I also really want to want... I want to get into a heated debate 
with Andy and Stan and and all of us just just to get their thoughts and I don't know what like what if Andy and Stan really love the movie and then we get into an argument about that I I would love that that'd be fun yeah I need to see what they think because I think I think I think that there's a there's a lot that we tried to unpack. Not just in general, but with Death Note, I think that there's a lot more to it. I mean, I know exactly what I'm going to do after this. I'm going to keep watching the anime because I just need to cleanse my palate of what I watched last night. But I'm actually, I'm actually watching the the Japanese uh, J drama at the moment. Oh, all right. See, we both needed a palate cleanser. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So <sighs> anyway, I think before before I explode again, uh, we should close the show. Okay, that's a good idea. All right, so the end all be all is that I think we're hyped and disappointed simultaneously, which is fine. Um, but this is what happens when you put Chris and I in a room together. Um, so I'm excited for next week because we're going to force the other two to unpack this. So guys, get ready. Even if we spend 20 minutes unpacking this between the four of us, it's fucking happening. And yeah. let's throw in Defenders as well, because I really wanted to hear the, their thoughts on Defenders. Absolutely, absolutely. So this was this was just us shitting all over everything, which is always makes for good radio. This um, this is our therapeutic session where like Ryan and I just get just, everything just, out. Yeah, got it all off our chest. This is all raw emotional catharsis at the moment. <laughs> Next time we'll 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 come back a little bit more measured, a little bit more. Okay, well I'm not uh, promising that. I'm not promising that. <laughs> I'm not promising that, Chris. No, 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 don't lie the people okay okay this is true yeah i'm in <laughs> denial uh, let's be honest i, I want to be i want to be yelling again next oh, week i'm looking forward to it it's okay. gonna be great so you can find us on facebook I, well we have we have a page we have a group facebook.com slash group slash super nerd pals or because i'm clearly <laughs> i'm cl- yeah i'm falling over it's okay or facebook.com slash super nerd pals that's our official page where we officially post the episodes and the real brass tack stuff. And the group is just for general shenanigans and memes and news. So memes, uh, news, either opinions, or both up unpopular and popular clearly. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so join us there to continue all of this goodness. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore red underscore horror. You can also find Super Nerd Pals on Twitter. So please tweet at us. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyo Ninja for Hire. That's K-Y-O Ninja for Hire. And you can also find Super Nerd Pals on all your other standard social medias. So Instagram, Tumblr, Super Nerd Pals dot dot com. I believe we have a Snapchat. Um, we have a Snapchat. I think we do. I feel like Stan was running it. We'll we'll get back to you on that. Um, we'll get back to and you on we, that. You one. Can, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but you can also find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Acast, uh, basically any podcast player you can think of. If one of those is not your standard podcast of choice uh we also have an rss feed which you can copy and paste and so you can subscribe to our show hell yeah and of course uh you can uh if you liked anything that we discussed about in this episode or any of our other episodes or spinoff podcasts hop on over to itunes give us a positive rating give us constructive feedback we always love to hear from you 
Uh, we always want to make the show better. And um, the more uh, the 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 more ratings we get, uh, the the greater the exposure. Uh, the greater the exposure we get on iTunes, and the easier this podcast can be shared with everyone. So send us your thoughts, send us your reviews, send us your feedback, send us your thoughts, like you know about Death Note or Defenders or or, or any or of Harley this. Quinn, yeah. anything. Anything. Um, we used to do listener questions, uh, and, and so if you have any questions, you know, no questions. The only stupid question is the question that asked. So please, just uh, we'd love to talk to you guys. Oh yeah, ask away. We're totally down for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Ryan. Woo! Thanks, Chris. Yay! Yeah. So this is Sunday morning, uh, Sunday AM with Ryan and Chris on one two five. Hell yeah. Uh, one two six FM. It's great. Um, and until next week, see you soon. Woo! Bye. Peace out.